You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. Happy 4th of July. I am your host, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that So we're going to keep it kind of light today. I just want to uh, kind of quickly, I guess, go through and look at some of the stuff in the Facebook group. Uh, I posed the question of um, bold predictions, both for the team and for the player. And then we also got a little bit of a bonus, thanks to Cody in the Facebook group asking the question, what's the Packers' biggest challenge to overcome in 2019, which I think is a pretty good question. So those are going to be the three things that we look at, and really I'm just going to be looking at some of the answers. And if I have thoughts on the answers, then I have thoughts on the answers. So I guess in a way this is sort of a listener-driven podcast. But again, 4th of July, it's a holiday, so uh, we're going to make it real quick, real short, and um, you can get back to grilling up the old uh, cheeseburgers or whatever it is you're doing today. So let's just take our break and uh, dive into it. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Also, a little pro tip for you. Found out last night that if you play the podcast at half speed, it sounds like I'm completely hammered. And I thought that was kind of funny. Also find, found out that if you play it at 3x speed, you can make your two-year-old daughter cry. So, something to explore, something to check out. Maybe you're interested in either or both of those things. Whatever you're into, I'm just here to help and give you some suggestions to uh, better your life. That's the point of this podcast, to inspire you. So my hope, um, not only would I like to try to remember to keep these things somewhere so we can kind of look back at them, I'd like to try to think of some kind of fun little wager. Not money, just because, you know, I don't know. It feels weird doing that. 
but something, I don't know. But anyways, we're going to start off with player predictions for the 2019 season, and Kyle starts it off, says Kumaro is going to be the second leading receiver in yards, Jamal leads the team in rushing yards. So I know Devontae came out, and he has just been all hype train all day. I mean, I don't know exactly what Rodgers thinks of this offense, but Devontae is just all jacked up. And maybe he's just trying to step in and fill that void where it's, you know, everybody wants Rodgers to be kind of the rah-rah guy and blow a bunch of smoke, and he's just like, nah, I'm not doing that. Maybe Devontae's just filling that that void. But this guy is just, I mean, one minute he's just jacking up Darnell Savage, like, we got to steal, he's going to be a freak, and now all of a sudden Geronimo's like, oh, he's going to be so good, man. Maybe he will, I don't know, but it, I just think that's funny. Um, but with that said, I mean, you, you got to, I mean, I guess that's why it's a bold prediction, but Geronimo and MVS are kind of like the one and two as far as who's going to be number two in yards. I'm trying to think of a scenario in which Kumaro is the, I mean, I, well, the scenario is pretty obvious. Kumaro is just kind of a stud and we got a new head coach coming in and a new offensive coordinator and they look at it and go, this guy's really talented and we're just going to make this work. The other thing is, I suppose one way that you could lead in yards would be to, you know, see, that's the thing. Everything I can say about him, I can say about somebody else. But I mean, if, for example, he were to go in the slot and just get a bunch of receptions and just kind of be that little dump off guy, maybe. And even then it would be kind of like, he's sort of the solid, I guess, slot guy. And, you know, then there's just kind of a rotation. Sometimes it's EQ. Sometimes it's, you know, if it, if it's enough of a rotation, maybe, but let me just put it this way. If there was a wager on the table about Kumaro being the second leading receiver, I'd give you very good odds and I'd put a lot of money down. But you already knew that. But I hope he does well, man. I like Kumaro. UW-Dub guy. Bosa cousin. I mean, everything about him is just kind of awesome. Jamal is a real possibility. And I, I think the bold... I, I don't know. Maybe you just are saying it outright. But I, I think I know where you're going with this. Aaron Jones isn't going to stay healthy. Jamal is going to come in and lead the team in rushing yards. If I'm wrong correct me, but that's going to be my assumption. Because that is a bold, beyond bold take if we're saying Aaron Jones is healthy and Jamal just takes his spot and, and runs with it. But that's possible. I mean, he's, he's 0 for 2 and staying healthy on the season, although Jamal was also hurt. So I could see that, but I, in both cases, if you're right, I feel like I would be depressed. Because I don't see Kumro leading the team in receptions in a positive way. In other words, like MVS and EQ and Geronimo are, are pretty good, but Kumaro's just a lot better. I just kind of see it as Kumaro's the best receiver because none of those other guys took a step forward, and Kumaro kind of just took a step just above them. And then Jamal leading the team means Aaron Jones is hurt. So you've depressed me. You've depressed me. Thanks a lot, Kyle. David jumps in next and says at least three interceptions for Darnell Savage, one pick six. So it looks like there were 27 safeties last year that had three interceptions. Of that group, there were a few um, rookies. It looks like, let's see, Justin Reed out of Houston. Derwin James obviously had three. Justin Reed had three. Uh, Jesse Bates had three. And J.C. Jackson with New England, I don't know if he's a corner or a safety, but he also had three. So it's not super far-fetched, and of that group, Justin Reed out of Houston and Jesse Bates in Cincinnati also had a touchdown. So three touchdowns, one interception is pretty realistic. And, you know, when you consider Derwin and basically the, the top safeties, Derwin and Jesse Bates especially, were the two that really stood out for most people. Justin Reed, not quite as much, not as well-known, but um, props to him, I guess. 
three picks kind of seems to be that number for the top guys, and then again, two of the two of the three of those guys ended up getting a pick or a uh, yeah pick six out of it. It's all right. I mean, I think that's I think it's a solid number. Um, either that was a very very good rough estimation, or you did your homework because that's that's like the perfect number to pick three and one. So I can get on board with that, especially his his style, right? I mean, if he was like a really really good strong safety, or even like a uh, a Taylor Rapp, who I really, really like, but he's just not that kind of a guy, I might kind of push back on you a little bit, but I'm not going to push back. I think that's a, a really good as, a really good benchmark to say, I mean, if he hits that, he's he's in line with the top young rookie safeties. And if, you know, if he falls short of that, not as good as you'd hope. If he goes above that, then you kind of compare it to the Derwin Jameses and the Jesse Bates and go, dude, he exceeded that. That's crazy. So yeah. I'm I'm on board with that man. I'm I need to write that one down. Uh speaking of, I've never uh looked at this before. I know um just like PFF, there's a lot of people who do not like Walter football. And I think it's for relatively good reasons, but I think one thing that they do really well is get some inside information. I actually think they're pretty good insiders. Uh that that Charlie Campbell guy that he's got there um really does a really good job of that kind of stuff. As far as ranking prospects, maybe he's not quite as good or whatever, his mock drafts, whatever. But let me just read a little bit here about Darnell Savage, because I haven't read this before. But they actually ranked him as the number two safety in the draft. 5'11", 198 pounds, etc., etc., 4'36", I love it. But it says, Savage has become a hot prospect, putting together great workouts in the lead-up to the draft. On top of the workouts, he has good tape from his final season at Maryland, and the team loves his character. Of all the prospects in the 2019 NFL Draft, Savage could be the leader for the most pre-draft visits, as there are 10 teams and counting that have hosted him in April. Savage has a chance to go much higher than expected and could sneak into the first round. Sources say he's a smart kid, a team leader, and charismatic. That's awesome. It's awesome because it's not just, and it really speaks to why the Packers would do this, because it's not just the tape, which Brian Gutekunst says it's all about the tape, right? That's the most important thing. The tape is there, there's no question. But you add to that that he's really intelligent, which is important for every football player, but especially a safety on defense. A team leader, which is important. I feel like there's somewhat of a vacuum, at least there was last year. Now there might be several, but that's important, again, for a safety. Maybe down the line he kind of becomes the, the guy that wears the helmet, whatever. And charismatic, which is perfect because it adds to that whole young defensive back, right, get all jacked up kind of group. I'm, I'm super excited for these DBs and the energy that it's going to bring. But he just feels like a perfect piece. I mean, we need a safety desperately. We need a, to get more picks. We need more athleticism. We need more leadership. We need guys with really good character, or we really desire those kinds of guys, and he has it. It just, it just is the absolute perfect fit for the Packers. Can you tell I'm excited about the guy? But yeah, I'm definitely on board with that uh, that thought. Dustin's got quite a bit. Um, he starts off with Jimmy Graham earns his pay and breaks 10 touchdowns. I would definitely say it's a bold prediction. Um, when I say I want him to go back to what he was in Seattle, that's really all I'm talking about, to be sort of that touchdown guy. The thing is, though, he only did that once in Seattle, and it was his last year. The year before that in 2016, he had six. The year before that in 2015, he had two touchdowns. Then obviously with the Saints, he had a ton every year. 10, 16, 9, and 11. As far as what I buy or sell, it's just kind of a... I bet on him real hard last year, and I'm kind of snake bit about it. I stand by what I said about Lafleur and how he's going to help the tight ends, and I actually believe... Act, I Yes, I believe it. What the heck was I going for there? Absolutely, maybe? I think it was absolutely, not actually. And I actually believe it, if you can believe that. Usually I just say stuff. But there's also a question of 
who does what? Well, there's a lot of questions. First of all, is Jimmy going to be on the team? That's not 100%. Maybe we put it at 85-90. It's not 100. So that's the first mile marker we got to cross. The second is we've got a decent amount of tight ends. Who's doing what? Right? We could use Mercedes Lewis down there because he's a better blocker. Maybe we use him and he can just kind of slip out. So he's got to compete with other tight ends. He also has to compete for touchdowns with guys like Devontae and a massive wide receiver group and utilizing the run game more. And it just, there's all these factors that are pulling down his tight end production. But I believe Jimmy at his best, that's what he does. And that needs to get back up there and that should be a big part of it. But I guess for all those reasons I'm going to sell, I do think there's going to be an uptick. I think, you know, I mean, that's, that, that is not a bold prediction. If it doesn't go above two, that's a bigger problem. Um, for the money we're paying him, I agree. He would, to earn his paycheck, he needs to be getting about 10. I'm not going to scream and kick and holler if he gets nine, but still, I mean, getting paid 10 plus million dollars a year and getting two touchdowns and 600 yards, it's just not it, man. I guess I would put it in the ballpark of five or six, but again, that's why it's a bold prediction, right? He goes on to say Adams breaks 10 touchdowns, which, I mean, I don't think that is a bold prediction. It's more of just a prediction, and yeah, I'm buying that one just because he's done it basically every year for a while now. Uh, 13 this past year, 10 before that, and 12 before that. So three straight years of, of 10 or more touchdowns, and you got uh, um, Aaron Rodgers basically, no matter how many times he throws on the ball, it's never enough. Right? Last year he, he jumped from 74 receptions to 111 receptions. And Aaron Rodgers leaves the season going, man, we got to find a way to get that guy the ball more. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But Aaron Rodgers recognizes what they have in, in Devontae Adams. They realize that we have one of those true number one elite wide receivers on this team, and we got to treat him that way. I mean, you look at what 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 Atlanta always did with Julio and, and just what these true A.J. Green types always did. They just dominate games. It's just to the point where it's like, yeah, we just keep feeding him, you know, Megatron style, not that he's as good as Megatron, but it's one of those things where it's like, you can't stop him, so we're just going to keep throwing to him. I think that's the way Aaron Rodgers views it. We need to be treating him like that, and we're not, and that's not acceptable. But yeah, he'll he'll get 10, I mean, he should get 10 touchdowns. He adds on to that, that uh, Aaron Jones will get 1,000 yards. That was my bold prediction and my little friendly bet, kind of. It was a little more, I think it was like 1,200 all-purpose yards, because I don't think he's going to get that many receiving yards. But it was just a little extra something-something. I think that actually probably works more to my benefit. It's better odds that he gets 1,200 all-purpose than 1,000 rushing. But whatever. I'm buying. It really just is a matter of, of basic math, right? It's a matter of if he can stay healthy. I mean, even if he drops to from 5.5 yards to carry down to 5, which I'm torn on that because on one hand, it's hard to imagine him regressing in, a, in an offense that's more focused on him. But on the other hand, 5.5 is so ridiculously unsustainable, it's hard to imagine it doesn't drop. So, I mean, even if we call it 5, and let's say he only gets 15 yards per carry, right, on average, so he's not getting 20 or anything, it's just he goes from like 12-ish with McCarthy up to 15. Um, Over the course of a season, that's 1,200 yards. I mean, if he plays 16 games. So 15 carries, 5 yards a carry um, for 16 games, that's 1,200. I mean, 5 yards a carry times only 12 carries over a 16-game season is 960. So really, it's just a matter of if he stays healthy, there's no reason he doesn't crack 1,000. If he doesn't crack 1,000 playing 16 games, um, and it, because I'm assuming his carries are not going to be below, like, 12, it means that his production plummeted. And I just don't necessarily see that happening. So yeah, I think he cracks 1,000 yards if he stays healthy. 
Uh, another one from Dustin, he says, Blake Martinez will get his second contract because he becomes a top five linebacker. I don't want to just wholeheartedly disagree because it depends how you gauge that. I mean, we could look at it from a PFF standpoint because it's it's just hard otherwise to, to really gauge it. I don't know a better way to do it than that. But Blake Martinez this past year was graded as the 17th best linebacker. Top five, I mean, it's just kind of like saying, you know, Devontae Adams is going to crack top five. It's not that I don't like Blake Martinez. I just, I can't put him in the same category as a Bobby Wagner, as a Luke Keekley, um, as a Leighton Vander Esch. You know, Deion Jones, I mean, he was graded 14th, but he's a really good linebacker. Zach Brown in Washington. Darius Leonard in Indy. Uh, Jalen Smith uh, is really good with Dallas. You know, maybe he can leapfrog a few of these guys, especially if they have down years, but we, we automatically have to put, you know, Wagner, Keekley, Van Der Esch. I mean, a lot of these guys just automatically. Uh, Lorenzo Alexander for Buffalo, you know, Benardrick McKinney. There, there's just, there's so many guys. I To be honest, I, I, I would be stunned if he cracks top 10. And, um, but yeah, but eh, see, I mean, if he cracks top five, then I'm with you on him getting another contract. I don't know. I think I think I'm pretty easily out on that one. That's another one I'd be willing to put quite a bit of money down. He doesn't crack top five. Again, not because I don't like Blake Martinez. It's just about the quality of the players, other than Blake Martinez. Here's here's the cool thing though. If you look at 2017, he was a, a solid run defender, right? That was like his biggest thing. In in uh, 2018, he was graded as the eighth best coverage linebacker. 82.6 was his coverage grade. That's unbelievable what he did in coverage. If he can put the two together, as in go back to being really good against the run and also maintain or even possibly get better in coverage, that's because his, his run defense grade was 60. It plummeted last year. I mean, the whole defense just decided we don't know how to stop the run anymore. It was staggering, and it scared me because it's like, okay, that's exactly what we were talking about, where Dom Capers emphasized that, and he got it, but coverage was terrible. You get Pettin, who's looking at pass rush and coverage, and those two things got better, but we could not stop the run to save our lives. But if they can put it together, if he can put it together, um, even then I don't know about top five, but he, he could be close. He rounded it out with two negative player predictions, which, by the way, is allowed. Darnell Savage doesn't perform like we're predicting him to because he's a rookie. Kevin King doesn't impress. I wouldn't, I, I'll say, I'm not going to buy it just because I, I want to stay hyped up on Darnell. But I absolutely could see it. I mean, it's just statistically, what are the odds that he is a stud? It's got to be less than 50%. Just if you look back over the course of just any draft pick, even a first-round draft pick, you start talking mid to late first-round guys, there's going to be more misses than hits. Um, and then Kevin King not impressing. I mean, I'm, I'm not going not gonna to do it. You know what I'm not going to do. I'm just not going to do it. But, I mean, I guess if that's how you feel, Dustin... You know, that's your opinion. That's your opinion, man. Uh, I don't have an opinion on that one. Oh, I like this. <laughs> Prediction from Phil. Kyler Fackrell improves on his 2018 performance and gets named to the Pro Bowl. Dude, Phil just went all kinds of crazy on me. I mean, it, you, you can kind of take it a couple different ways. One would be that Kyler Fackrell sort of maintains his pass rush ability and then improves as, you know, in coverage against the run, those kinds of things. I mean, if he's going to crack the Pro Bowl, he's got to get double-digit sacks again. And he just, I mean, he just has to be dominant across the board. Pro Bowl is a big deal, man. And there's a sickening amount of, of pass rushers that are going to go to the Pro Bowl. I mean, 
you look at some of these, J.J. Watt, Miles Garrett, Melvin Ingram, uh, Calais Campbell, Von Miller, Jadavian Clowney, D. Ford, T.J. Watt, Cam Jordan, Demarcus Lawrence, Daniil Hunter, Khalil Mack, Ryan Kerrigan, Anthony Barr, get out of my face, Olivier Vernon, and he was only there to substitute because Khalil Mack didn't go. I mean, I if I were to extend that list out, here's the other thing. That's actually kind of bad news. Ah, no, it's not. I was going to say that if you extend that list out, then, you know, you would assume that there's a lot of other pass rushers, and some of those names would be guys like Preston and Zadarius Smith or Rashawn Gary. I just, look, I, I love the energy, man. I'm, I just, I, I don't know what he could even do to get on the radar enough to be sent to the Pro Bowl. There would be riots, like Kyler Fackrell, how? And, I mean, he, he would have to improve to the point where he gets double-digit sacks, and it's not just because his conversion rate is so high. Like, his pressures are also ridiculously high. Because that was sort of the, the problem with the numbers, is if you look at the actual percentage of pressures that he got, it wasn't very high. It just was a matter of when he got pressure, and an, order, an inordinate amount of those times converted into sacks. But, again, even then, if he ends up getting 11, 12 sacks, it's like he's not going to the Pro Bowl. So what would he <laughs> 15 sacks? I love it, but no, nah, man. Uh, Jason Spriggs becomes an effective pass blocker. I could see that. Uh, like I say, he, he has gotten very quietly better. He's not good enough to the point where I would trust him, but if he can take another step, he can be in the NFL as a decent enough tackle, not somebody that I'd probably want to replace Spriggs with, or ha 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 ha, Balaga with, but I mean, you know, you know maybe he does get to that point. So I'll, I'll buy on that one, why not? Jay Sternberger becomes NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. I man, no, no. I, I'm super jacked up about him, and I'm I'm just trying to think what it would take again for a tight end to get. What would he have to do to beat out all the quarterbacks and wide receivers and running backs? I mean, if Kyler Fackrell can even somewhat impress, he's gonna win Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's already super hyped up, right? I mean, if he gets a bunch of rushing yards and a bunch of touchdowns and some decent yards through the air, I mean, he could, he could throw a bunch of picks and it wouldn't matter. He's going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. So that's going to be a sell. But I, I do, I'm okay with the prediction that he has a good year, but not Offensive Rookie of the Year. Josh is up next. He has a similar take on Jason Spriggs saying he actually takes over for Brian Balaga and everyone gets on the hype train saying he's going to be the next great right tackle in the NFL. That's funny because I, I kind of wonder if the second part of that is the interesting part in my opinion. I mean, I, I could see the takeover as much as I would not want it to happen, but it's one of those situations where it's, you know, if Jason Spriggs is good enough, obviously, just like every team, all they ever want to do is purge old guys. It's like their favorite pastime. Like, oh, he's old. Can we please get rid of this guy? I'm so tired of his face. I have to see him every single time. Every year I keep having to see this guy. I just I can't stand him. But what would the reaction be of the fan base? Because I could absolutely see this where all of a sudden everybody who's anti-Jason Spriggs, I feel like I'm the only person on the planet who's been at least somewhat pro-Spriggs, I could absolutely see everyone being like, oh, look how good he is. And then you start seeing all those cut-ups on Twitter. You know, they go find that one good play and they make a highlight video out of that one play, and then everyone gets all jacked up and pretends that they really liked him. And then if he doesn't play well, everyone jumps right off the train, or Twitter melts down. See, and the other, the other interesting part of that is people don't really like Balaga either, which is nonsense, um, but a lot of people don't like Balaga. So I feel like you're excited that Balaga got cut, but you're upset that Spriggs is our tackle, 
but maybe you jump on the train because it's just kind of one of those things where you want to be the first one to be right about something. I would actually be really interested in how Twitter would react because it's it could go either way. And, and maybe it maybe it just like ripple effect where you like a drop a cinder block in the water and everything just kind of spreads out from each other. You know, you got one half of the faction going way crazy in one direction. He's going to be elite. You got half of Packer fan base over here going, he's just garbage and Gutekun should be fired. This is the worst thing that's ever happened. And then they do Twitter battles, go to war, which is, I suppose, the equivalent of, what, a pillow fight? Uh, but Josh goes on to say that um, he's the guy that he's watching the most. This is when uh, the kinds of linemen put it together and go crazy. I, I the, He definitely needs to be on that watch list, right, of, of guys, because it changes the dynamic of everything so drastically. Right now, in my opinion, and who knows what happens with Billy Turner, maybe he's seen as the heir apparent, I don't know, I'm not super high on that idea either at this point, but if Spriggs can put it together, remember, we traded up in the second round because this guy is an athletic freak, I mean, he is just off the charts, he's he's unbelievably talented, if he can put it together and be that guy, not only do we have a young, talented right tackle of the future with, that we're going to have for a pretty long time, but it changes the dynamic going forward as far as what the team needs. I'm looking at it saying we got to go offensive tackle next year unless we re-sign Brian Balaga, which is another somewhat of a negative thing because as much as I like Balaga, you gotta you got to move on at some point. And getting ahead as an NFL franchise means being able to let expensive talent go so that you can get young guys like Spriggs, although he's going to end up getting paid. But I don't think he's going to get a massive contract. He's not going to get David Bakhtiari money because he had one good year. He's had several bad years and a bad injury. So that's going to negatively affect his ability to get a massive contract. Now Maybe he gets, what, like nine? Nine a year average? 20 in guarantees or something? I don't know. But it changes. You look at the draft and you got this super talented offensive draft with some really good defensive players that are probably going to fall because it's so offensively crazy. So there's just a ton of potential to get some freakish guys, especially on offense that we've never really had before, including some of our tackles. That's true. But if we don't need one, you know, what? get a wide receiver. You know, if, if Aaron Jones gets hurt again, do you consider a guy like Travis Etienne? Probably not because, again, the scheme makes certain people really good, but I'm, ju- I'm just saying, it, it really changes the dynamic, and, and it's a super important position. So yeah, we probably should be putting more attention into it than we are, but I think it's just a matter of having, not having a lot of faith in that, uh, that happening. Lee says, 19-0. Sell. <laughs> but I like it. I like, uh, like where your head's at. Garrett says Josh Jackson breaks out and is the player he was coming out of college and leads the NFL in interceptions. So there's always a question of, okay, what does breaks out mean? That's what breaks out means. So last year, um, interceptions, people that led with interceptions, uh, DeMonte Kazee out of uh, Atlanta, Xavier Howard out of Miami, Kyle Fuller all had seven interceptions. So the benchmark is seven picks. So we're looking for roughly one pick every other game. A half a pick a game gives him eight interceptions on the season. Definitely doable, man. I think one of the biggest obstacles is going to be his uh, the amount of playing time he has, which I don't necessarily see going down. But remember, we got Tremont, and even if Tremont and Jair and Kevin King are kind of starting for like a game or two, that's really going to hurt your ability to meet that benchmark. Same with Aaron Jones. I mean, if, if, you know, if he gets a hamstring injury and misses three games – Cracking that 1,000 yards gets a lot harder. And then if he does it, it's really disappointing because it's like, man, he could have had 1,500 this year. But all right, man. 
I'm uh, I'm, I'm not even going to sell on that. I mean, obviously, I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm, I want to ride that one out. I like that. It's another one to track. This will be fun, too, during the season. This is why I need to do what I'm not doing right now, which is keep track of this, so we can go along as the season goes on and go, let's see, are you, you know, Aaron Jones needs to be averaging this much a game. Did he hit it? You know, did, did Josh Jackson get his pick? Whatever. Just kind of track that out, man. Jack says, my bold prediction is that no one will be talking about this quote-unquote controversial LaFleur-Rogers relationship. He says it's because our offense will be too good anyways, 11 wins in the regular season and or clinch NFC North before regular season even ends. Yeah, I I think that's true. I mean, it's going to go either way. If things don't work, this is never going to die. This is going to be Aaron Rodgers' fault. Aaron Rodgers is toxic. There's no, it doesn't matter who you bring in here. He's never going to listen. He's the problem. They need to find a new quarterback, and it's going to be horrible. Not only do we have to watch a team that is failing for the third year in a row, which is going to make me sick, but we're going to have to listen to these dummies and the national media and probably some local people trashing Aaron Rodgers, saying he's the problem. He's the, when in reality, it's, it's a brand new offense, and they're trying to figure it out. And we'll be right here next year talking about, hey, it's year two, expect big things. And there's rumors about big things. And now I'm starting, just like we're hearing with Mike Pettin in the second year, right? Starting to understand it. It's starting to come together. Oh, boy, get excited. But, yes, I do expect the offense to perform well. And I think all this stuff dies out. And I think it's our sacred duty to remind all these national media people that they're a bunch of dummies. Justin says, Darnell Savage leads the division in interceptions. I like that these are all different but they're also like different like very specific you know you got lead the league lead the team lead the division so I already mentioned that uh Kyle Fuller had seven interceptions Eddie Jackson had six after that it, it, it was just a massive drop off Harrison Smith Quandre Diggs um haha who whatever um Anthony Harris Darius Slay and Prince of Mukamura all had three so Kyle Fuller and Eddie Jackson were, were way on top. So we're, we're talking about six, seven, eight, somewhere in that room, probably seven or eight. Someone will crack six. I do like that there's so many predictions about, I mean, and let's not forget, Tremont's pretty talented at it for whatever, if he even is on the team, what he played, all that stuff. Um, Jair is pretty solid in that category. I mean, he might be our best player in terms of getting our hands on the ball, even though that's not his, like what he came in for. He excelled at it last year, at least for the Packers he did. I like that that's kind of a thing. Like, the expectation is picks. And then you hear um, our defensive coordinator saying they want to emphasize picks. So it's going to be hard for everybody, you know, to have Josh Jackson lead the league and have um, Savage lead the division. Probably both aren't going to happen. But even if none of those happen, and it just means the team gets a lot as a whole, you know, Kevin King gets two, Jair gets four, Jackson gets three, Darnell gets four, Amos gets two. I mean, we're talking about a lot of picks. By the way, special alert, Jamal Williams will be in Oconto, Wisconsin. Anybody who lives in, around, or near Oconto, Wisconsin, go check out uh, Jamal Williams, 9.45 to 11.45 a.m., which is in 20 minutes, so it'll be over by the time you hear this. 820 Arbutus Avenue in Oconto, Wisconsin. I I was looking at the schedule on my phone, and it's like, would you like to sync this with your phone? And I was like, I guess. So now I get these alerts all the time. What? Oh. Why did I just check my phone? What is going on? Oh, that's horrible. I don't even want to say the words, man. Kendrick Norton... I'm sure you already know. Look it up. That's, wow. That's so horrible. Okay. 
Sorry, it's hard to just see that and then transition into like, oh, what's the next prediction? I feel so, so, so not good right now. All right, anyways, got to do it. Got to do what you got to do. Chris says, Lucas Patrick will not only earn a roster spot, but will develop into a solid and reliable backup guard. I'm, I'm on board. I like Lucas Patrick, man. I really don't know why. It's just one of those things where I I feel like sometimes we watch things and see different things when we're watching it. I don't actually know if I believe it's going to happen. I'm just saying I kind of like the guy. So I'll jump on the train with you. I just don't expect this train to take us very far, if that makes sense. Here we go. Mark says, Gary takes a huge leap from his college production and puts up huge numbers picking up Defensive Rookie of the Year. Defensive uh, draft class, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys, a lot of pass rushers too. That's going to be some tough competition. Obviously, Nick Bosa and Quinnen Williams stand out. Uh, it wasn't the biggest Cleveland Furl guy, but, you know, he's got a lot of potential as far as, you know, being that guy. Devin White at linebacker, as much as I wouldn't expect it to be a linebacker, he's a really talented guy. Josh Allen uh, is a pass rusher. Ed Oliver, obviously a ton of potential. Devin Bush, similar situation. Um, Christian Wilkins, super, super talented. Brian Burns uh, could end up getting a bunch of sacks for Carolina. Dexter Lawrence, probably not. He's more of a run stopper, but still a talented guy. Jeffrey Simmons, well, he's going to be hurt all year. Um, Darnell Savage. Montez Sweat, um, Jerry Tillery, LJ Collier, Seattle picked him, and it was a dumb pick, so I doubt it. Uh, DeAndre Baker, you got the corners, Byron Murphy, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a bold prediction that I can say I'm excited about, but um, would not put a wager on that one. And I think I'll let you just, let you, I'll, I'll let you enjoy the train ride. I think it'll be a fun ride to be on. Might be a little bumpy, might get a little frustrating, but uh, it'll be fun. <laughs> the last two, of course, have to be the class clown sitting at the back of class. And I got to read it just because the creativity alone is... I didn't even get Brandon's at first because I'm slow, but it's it's pretty good. Brandon says, Kumaro sells two SUVs in a pickup truck. That's mean, but that's hilarious. Well done. Essentially, he predicted that he doesn't make the team. But again, A for creativity. That's hilarious. Also... Do we think he could sell two SUVs in a pickup? Probably because he's Jay Kumaro. In fact, if that's all he sells, he kind of he's kind of a terrible salesman, right? Like, if you knew Jay Kumaro was selling at a local car lot, wouldn't you want to go to that one just so you can, like, hang out with Kumaro? And then if you're actually going to buy a car, you want to be like, dude, I, I bought my car from Kumaro. Like, go in, like, a Kumaro jersey and act all cool, and he'll pretend he likes you even though he hates his life, you know, because he's selling cars. But, you know... He'll smile and probably sign your jersey if you buy the, that. Would see, that's something right there. Like, hey, make you sign my jersey. Like, I don't know, you could buy this car or not. I don't know. Maybe that's more of a bold prediction than I thought. And Josh, being typical Josh, sorry, I should probably call you Joshua. That's what your name says. Says Josh Jones gets a Midol sponsorship. <laughs> it's fine. It's one of those jokes the kids won't understand anyways. So it's not even really that inappropriate. You know, because he. Never mind. Now I'm just going to get myself in trouble if I keep talking. You get the joke. It's a funny joke. Leave me alone. All right. I'm going to cut it there. Didn't get the team predictions, but uh, get in the Facebook group and be sure to do that because we're going to probably oh, probably just do it tomorrow. I don't know. Team predictions. And then we've also got the uh, what are the Packers' biggest challenges to overcome in 2019. If you're not in the Facebook group, get in the Facebook group. The link is in the description. Well, the, there's a link for links in the description. Go there and find it. And uh, be sure to get your comments in on those two questions. 
Otherwise, I really got, just hope you have a very safe and uh, very, very fun time um, celebrating the 4th of July. Be sure to uh, say a quick prayer for Kendrick Norton and his family. It's pretty, uh, pretty rough. Anyways, I will talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.